You are now tuned in to Saved and Woke. Yes, I am. It's your boy MSW. That's Mr. Saved and Woke, also known as Juan Enrique Toussaint. Thank you for tuning in to the Saved and Woke podcast. Before you listen, be sure to subscribe so you automatically get all our new episodes. We appreciate if you give us a five-star rating and leave a review to show others how great the show is. Now, without further ado, let's get to this week's episode. Hey, everybody. Uh, so today's episode title is Woke and White dot 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 question mark and i am joined by my good friend and brother jordan cohen mm-hmm. so jordan can you give us give my viewers and listeners some background on you know who you are where you're from stuff like that yeah well first off i just want to say thank you juan for um having me on your podcast uh I'm just thankful for that. I'm grateful for this this man right here beside me and his wonderful wife, Mo, and the relationship that uh, we have with them. We consider them friends, even greater than that, family. Yeah. Um, and we are just super thankful. They're so influential in my life, um, uh, in both my safeness and my wokeness. So uh, I'm, I'm just excited to be here um, and really thankful. Uh, yeah, but... A little bit about me. So I'm from a uh, teeny tiny town in Kansas called Solomon, uh, where I grew up on a family farm. Um, so I graduated from high school with a class of 32 students. And uh, right after that, I went to college at Kansas State University um, in the Little Apple, Manhattan, Kansas. <laughs> um, go Cats. And uh, after after graduated, I uh, married my wife, and we've been married eight years now. This past May, we moved out to North Carolina, and uh, I started a teaching gig, um, and I taught high school for the past seven years um, before my transition, which is what I'm doing now. I'm, I'm transitioning into a student ministry um, by completing a program at my church. So uh, basically, uh, what I'm doing is I'm working with youth at my church, uh, helping them just grow as disciples, uh, learning who Jesus is. Uh, you know, it's it's really important that as, as a church, when we're working with youth, that we're not just getting them involved with a bunch of stuff, you know, good things, mm-hmm. serving in the community, coming to church, like doing all this stuff. Um, that's not what it's about. It's about them knowing who Jesus is and responding to the gospel, uh, that Jesus has done everything necessary to save them, uh, that he lived the perfect life, he, he died the death we all deserved, um, and then he resurrected to new life, and he offers new life to us. And so pressing in on students um, and just asking them if they truly believe that, and if they've uh, fully embraced that message. Um, so we, we sincerely just desire for students to come to faith um, genuinely, uh, not just their parents, um, and have a deep love for God. Uh, yeah, and I'm really excited about that. I had that heart. Yeah. In my public school setting, but it's a little, it's a little different mm-hmm. having a heart for for Jesus there than it is uh, within within youth. 
Um, and part of why I'm so happy uh, and excited for this transition is my other role at the church is I help kind of mobilize students for short-term trips. Um, so we send students all over the world, but also here locally uh, and just across America to different um, opportunities. The Bible is so clear. Every tribe, tongue, nation, language will worship the throne and bow and uh, give praise to Jesus one day. That's God's promise. Um, but the reality is people have yet to hear. And so we want to just show students that and we want them to have an opportunity to, to kind of feel the weightiness that God's promises are sure, yet he's asking us and inviting us into that mission. Um, so I'm grateful for that. And uh, it's, been a, it's been a good time. I've been there for a little over a year now. So mm-hmm. that's what I'm doing now. That is what's up. So for you all, my listeners and viewers to know, I, I didn't trick Jordan to come here. You know, I, I told him <laughs> what the title of this episode was going to be. Um, and so my question for Jordan right now, Jordan, why did you agree to come, knowing what the, my podcast is about and knowing what this episode in particular was going to be about? Hmm. Yeah, so I felt like, I feel like I should answer with why I'm not here first. <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, All right. It just is what came to mind. Uh, so I did not come and, and join your show because I have it all figured out. So we'll put it that way. Um, I definitely do not have it all figured out. Um, I don't have a ton of insight or wisdom or a degree that puts me in a position to really speak a whole lot into social issues. Mm -hmm. Um, so do not listen or hear anything I say and and believe that I have like all done all this research and and am well versed there. Um, really the only reason I have a voice should be considered at all is, uh, because of the grace of the gospel. Like, that's, that's, and we'll get into that later, but like, that's yeah. the only reason there's, that I'm woke to social justice issues at all. Um, coming from my background, living in such a small town, USA, mm-hmm. um, God really has just blessed me and, and been gracious to soften my heart and allow me to let others speak into my life. And, and I think that has what's, that started the journey for me to be, uh, more woke, um, and then secondly, I'm not here to be heard. Um, as I just mentioned, none of my background really uh, gives me uh, uh, much uh, insight into these issues, uh, really. Um, but I just want to just put it out there. I don't want to draw any attention to anything I say. So if any truth or helpful advice gets shared today, like it is all because of King Jesus, <laughs> um, not because of me. Uh, he is good and faithful. Right, right. Um, but I do, uh, just want to share like, Hey, I I do want to be on your show just to encourage people to have these conversations that, uh, my black brothers and sisters, my other minority brothers and sisters would, would be willing to allow, uh, your white brothers and sisters to listen and hear your stories, to listen and hear your insight and your influence. Um, that's why I want to be here. Juan has been so influential in my life, um, and the way he is just willing to share and have hard conversations and discussions with me and willing to hear my ignorance at times and, and, and listen and, uh, pray with me and be there for me. So I want to encourage more of that to happen. Um, cause that's so needed in mm-hmm. every influence of life. Um, and then two, hopefully I'll be successful in just 
pointing everyone to the centrality of the gospel in all of this, um, that it's central in all of life, yeah. um, and especially needs to be central in social justice issues. So. That's what's up. Thank you for that explanation. Yeah. So I'm going out of the order of the questions that I gave you. <laughs> That's fine. Because it's just how I'm feeling led right I can, now. I can wing it. So, um, I mean, it's still a question that I, we talked about. So, for all my viewers and listeners, the reason I had, or I'm having Jordan on the show right now is because I know him. He is my, he is my brother in Christ. He's my good friend. And I know that he is saved and woke. I know that he believes in the gospel wholeheartedly, that he's not adding or subtracting anything from God's word. And I know that he's also allowed the Holy Spirit um, via means that he's hopefully going to share with us later today um, to, to lead him into understanding and acknowledgement of ignorance about certain things um, in our society. And so my first question for you, Jordan, is could you explain like how you your give us like a breakdown of your journey to be becoming saved and what like how did that look for you? Yeah. Um so yeah, well I was so lost <laughs> before I was saved. Um and I guess really aren't we all. But uh I I was running hard after the world um and just seeking to find pleasure and satisfaction and joy in relationships, um, in, in the party scene, and just being, you know, popular and, and trying to really impress friends. And um, that was back when I was, when I was 18, graduated high school and on my way to college, I was, I was just full on running and living that lifestyle. Um, but the Lord used it because he's good and faithful to just break me. Um, and just show me how empty all of that was. And he primarily used a relationship to do that. Uh, just, I got my heart broken over and over again, but I kept telling myself that it's okay because I'm only in this relationship for the pleasure, for what I can take from it. Um, and he used that over and over again, probably for, I guess it was a little over a year that I was in that relationship where... I just became, I kind of, for the first time, felt my brokenness and my need of, like, something more, something greater. Um, and thankfully, that girlfriend is actually good to me in other ways, a good influence on um, my whole party scene and all that stuff. So um, I started seeing the emptiness there as well. Um, advice, just don't drink one night, and you'll see how uh, empty it is. Um, you get to witness the <laughs> foolishness the of everyone else. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so God used that and, uh, I was going to college. I didn't realize that I was looking for him. Um, I just started looking for more purpose and something greater than what I was experiencing. And, uh, the Lord was good. And, and he brought me to a place where, um, just a campus ministry where I heard the gospel. And I would say I heard it for the first time, albeit not the first time I physically heard it, but the first time my spiritual soul was yeah. willing to receive it. Um, and to be honest, I walked away and said, I'll give a relationship with Jesus a shot. Like that sounds good. And that's all he needed. I started reading the gospel, uh, with a friend at the time, now my wife. Um, hey, <laughs> and 
I just <laughs> fell in love with Jesus. Like, I read the gospel and I was like, that man has, he, he has every reason. Uh, he's worthy of my, of my worship and of my attention. Um, I just fell in love with him. And uh, so that's, that's how I was saved. Um, the wokeness is a little bit more foggy. Like I, this goes back to my like centrality of the gospel. I just really think that God just started rooting out my, my sin when I, when I believed and I trusted. And um, he just gave me just a, a soft heart and a soft spirit and just more of an awareness of others um, selfishness is still one of my biggest sin struggles. So I, <laughs> I say that, uh, with my, uh, yeah. Anyway, appreciate, uh, <laughs> appreciate your, your openness yeah. and transparency. Yeah. So, uh, but I started gaining awareness of, of others, um, and seeing that the world didn't revolve around Jordan and mm -hmm. around my needs. Um, and so that, I think that was the beginning of my wokeness. And I, I started just to see, broken things in our very broken world and uh, started to have compassion and empathy. Um, and then as I moved to North Carolina, especially my friend group and peer group got a lot more diverse. If you don't know, Kansas is not diverse. Really? Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, pretty sad. Kansas State, like probably under 2,000 of the 23,000 students are uh are black um yeah, there are a fair amount of other minority groups but not a ton um so so i would say since i come back, came out here and just the lord providing a friend group who is willing to share life experience and just things that they've uh, experienced has really helped kind of just soften my heart and give me a face with uh just the, the, the reality of social injustice and racial inequality and all the stuff that, all the white privilege, all the stuff that we deal with in America because of our ugly history. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, that's kind of still a journey. I, Juan thinks I'm more woke than I am, I think. Um, <laughs> but that's, that's to be determined. Yeah, so one thing that I love about Jordan is his humility. And I'm pretty sure you all have picked up on that by now because whenever, like you said, like whenever I try to give him props for being woke or being conscious, he'll always be like, eh, I, I have, I have this, there's so much I need to learn and well, we still got to talk so much because I like, I just, I don't, I don't know everything. And like, even if I couldn't make, well, not make, even if I couldn't get like other friends or other people I come into contact with other white friends and other white people to, to be to be woke to be a completely conscious like I think it's the, the, the main part is uh, humility mm. and like this is a big question this might not be fair for me to ask but I would just like your opinion like uh, how do you think as someone who came from not being culturally conscious, not being, to being, from being selfish, like, I like, we know that it was God that, you know, was behind your transformation, right? But could you kind of 
walk us through like how God began to impart and then develop that humility in you um, and then maybe like how you have also attempted to or try to help walk other people mm. through that mm. yeah uh, good question so I would say uh, if you're if you're or have been saved um, and are walking with Jesus mm -hmm. uh, at some point and if you haven't yet it's coming um, the Lord is going to provide opportunity where you will have to step out in faith or will you will have to truly surrender um, to him and his lordship and his leading in your life and I would say that that humility and that slow step of, of obedience um, was just that. It was, a, it was a, a step of obedience each part of the way. You know, my wife and I got married. We, uh, I don't know for lack of a better term, just kind of came to North Carolina uh, without thinking too much about it um, or praying too much about it uh, because we felt like there were just job opportunities here. And, um, but we were leaving family, we were leaving people we knew, we were leaving all of that behind. Um, we came to Durham, yeah, we came to Durham, and uh, that that was his doing, you know. And, um, and then when we were out here, just like, what job are we gonna have? And, um, all these decisions, 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 there's so many of them right after you graduate college, especially, um that we were making and the Lord was, was using. And, uh, since then, I think we're a little bit more grounded and rooted in like, we want like, Lord, we want you to like be behind this decision. And he's been faithful to like, uh, to do that. So, um, every little step of obedience and, and trusting and opening my hands, I think was an opening to God speaking truth in my life and allowing me to grow um, in my consciousness, in my ability to um, discern what other people are going through and to care about it. Um, putting me in a, a very large school in South Durham of over 2,000 students where I'm interacting with a very wide array of, of uh, socioeconomic status um, as well as uh, race and uh, ethnicity and all of that. It's, it's a very diverse school. Um, I, I start hearing students' stories. I, you know, that's helped helped me just grow a, a consciousness and a love and a concern for for those people and for those families. Um, and then, and then probably one of the biggest ones, one of the greatest faith stories that I could probably declare to you today was my wife and I's adoption of our oldest daughter, Sienna. Um, mm -hmm. And man, there's so many hard things when it, it comes to adoption that are, it's expensive, it's a long process, um, and, uh, but Lee and I truly did seek the Lord's face in every decision, and he was just so faithful in, like, answering our prayers, like, yeah. above and beyond, and, like, man, like, that grew our faith so much, um, and at the end of the day, it brought us home, a, a, a African-American girl to our house, and, uh, that began a very intentional, like, pursuit of diversity 
and being more aware of of social issues because of that because um, we want to love her well yeah so, but what, my my question is like why did you even want to do that so you had this beautiful black baby and <laughs> like the, she's in your house like she's your daughter like you could have raised her any kind of way like i mean of course you, you're you all are the only family that i know um um i've met other people but you're the only like family that i'm friends with who was adopted um someone of a child of another race and when i'm like looking out at other people like i mean of course i don't i wouldn't know this because i don't have a relationship with them but i don't usually get a sense of like them trying to be culturally aware trying to make themselves uh more conscious of the experience of their child's race <clears throat> racial or racial group or like the, the ethnic group mm. of their like family of origin so that's mm. what i'm like like I, I thought it was cool when i first because i mean I, I saw sienna i was like okay they got a little black baby cool <laughs> and then they i saw like some books that they were reading and they were like it was some, it was some pretty woke stuff and it's like oh snap like that like they're actually trying trying to learn and like for me that was so encouraging i thought it was so great um because at first it was just like okay cool but then like they're like lee and jordan are really being intentional about not just well they're really well first off they're aware of their the, the white privilege that they've had up until this point to to not have to think about race mm. and now they are being intentional about thinking about it all the time like I think I get maybe it gets started because of CNN, but I think that you also do it for yourselves anyway. But back to my initial question: so why did you decide to do that? Because you could very well could have just raised uh, raised Sienna just like you're raising you know the rest of your daughters. Yeah. Um, well, I'll share a story because stories are good. Uh, so the Lord had Lee and I go halfway around the world to consider moving halfway around the world mm -hmm. um, oh, yeah. in Southeast Asia. <laughs> and uh, we were there. We, it was, it's one of those, like I shared earlier, God's going to ask you to potentially do, may take a big step of faith yeah. in your life at some point. And uh, Lee and I always said we were willing to, to move anywhere he asked us to move to, to do whatever he asked us to do. Um, and so we thought uh, moving to Southeast Asia would be one of those things. Indonesia, um, right? Yeah, Indonesia specifically. It's gonna be out there, man. Um, <laughs> that's all right. And uh, and while we were there, um, I took my whole family, even though Sienna was only ten months old. Well, no, she was uh, like thirteen months old, and our youngest at the time, Libby, was four months old. We took the whole family um, for two weeks. Because this was not just a, hey, Lee and I are doing this and they're coming with. Like, this is a family decision. Um, and so while we were there, um, we just experienced, uh, especially Lee, she's she's super sweet. If you haven't met her, you have to meet my wife sometime. But uh, she just got a soft heart and was very aware and conscious of what Sina was experiencing while we were there. Um, I was way more tunnel vision on like the job and what I would have been doing when uh -huh. I was there. Um, and so when we got back and we started talking about it, Lee just started sharing all of these instances where, you know, you just experience colorism. It's kind of a big thing in Southeast Asia, mostly because if you're dark skinned, 
um, it means you work outside and you're probably poor. Um, if you're really skinny, they also have that. Like then that probably means you work with your hands and you're poor. Mm -hmm. um, and then they just so they just uh, naturally seek to have fairer skin. Yeah. Um, and so anyway, so that's a thing, and we experienced that at a great degree because. Uh, the comments that Libby would get on her, how beautiful she was, was really high. And the amount that Cena would just get called cute and then tossed to the side was, mm. was all over the place. Um, just in your face questions, you know, and some of that's just a social thing. Like in America, it's a little bit like socially, we wouldn't go up to people and ask some of these questions. Um, but in Southeast Asia, it's a lot more normal to be more forward with your questions. And so, um, it, it's different. It's not necessarily all wrong. It's definitely different. There's some things that are wrong. Um, but like, you know, is she from Africa? Um, was a question. Uh, questions about her hair all the time. Um, and then the biggest one really, uh, especially was, um, just, they can't be sisters and there's no way she's your daughter. Um, because they're, I, they're like, worldview of adoption just doesn't exist. Um, so they just couldn't reconcile like that. Um, and so we got asked that a lot. Um, and so we determined it wasn't a good decision for Sienna. It's not a good decision for us. Um, and so that put us on a, on a journey and really woke us to like, this isn't just like, yeah, we can't just raise Sienna any other way. Like this is an opportunity for us to truly pursue racial reconciliation, and one day, hopefully, we'll we'll grow our family through seeing his biological family um, as she gets to meet them. Hopefully, Lord willing, we hope and yeah. pray that that all goes according to her hopes. Um, but yeah, so so that kind of put us on a pursuit of like we need to be more socially conscious and woke because we are experiencing what it's like to be a minority just simply because we have a daughter who's a minority. Um, and so I, I would say just the closer you are with people who have that experience, the more empathy, compassion, and intentionality that you will begin to, to have. So, And you've done that? Done what? Gotten closer to people. Yeah, uh, well, we're, I mean, what I meant by that, too, was uh, Sienna. So mm -hmm. she's our daughter, so we're super close with her. So everything she goes through, like, we go through, mm -hmm. and we want what's best for her. Um, so that's, that's like, the greatest one. But, yeah, and then you and Mo, um, and uh, the Lord was good and faithful to give us uh, a small group Bible study at our church um, that has a couple African-American families in it. Um, so we're constantly, in every sphere, like, seeking to have uh, a black presence so that we can not make Sienna's world all white, so. Cool. Yeah. What would you suggest to people who don't have uh, an adopted child who is a person of color? Like, how would you suggest they go about mm. formulating, like, intentionally but still genuine relationships? Um, that's good. Yeah. Uh, consider moving. <laughs> uh, it's a privilege to be able to uproot yourself and move just wherever for the sake of the school district. Um, and so I think you should lay before the Lord a little bit more seriously what it looks like 
to move and be in an ethnically diverse place. Um, I'm not saying that that means you have to go downtown. It doesn't mean you have to go to the poorest neighborhood. Like, let's don't, let's don't put that out there. Like, we have minority families who are, make way more money than I do and live in way nicer houses than I do. So, but just be aware of where you live and uh, that makes a huge difference because everywhere you go, grocery store, restaurant, mm-hmm. neighbors are people who don't look like you, talk like you, listen to the same music, all that stuff. Um, so I think that's super important. So yeah, if you don't have a little diverse family like I do, then you can diversify your neighborhood. That's what's up. And that, I mean, that kind of sounds pretty drastic, but I was on one of my other favorite podcasts. Mm. I was listening to someone, um, and it's pretty, it's a, a very, the purpose of the podcast, which I've shared before, definitely in the previous season, is called United We Pray, where they talk specifically mm. about ra- racial reconciliation in the church. And that's what they talk about every single episode. I talk about race a lot, but it's not what I talk about every single episode. Um, <clears throat> one of their guests was talking about, he's a minister, I believe he was a pastor. And when they asked him, like, how did he become as conscious as he as he was? And how did he come so in tune with the, the suffering and the impression that others receive? Mm-hmm. Um, like, they asked him, like, what did you do? And so he said that um, as a result of God just... Uh, imprinting upon his heart this like this acknowledgement and the, of the the wrongness of racism mm. and of how racist America is, mm. he purposed to move his family to a an area where they would be not only the racial but also also socioeconomic mi- minority, mm. <laughs> and he said it, it was difficult. So, like this. The purpose of this episode is to offer encouragement, one, to, I guess, save the world people of color, to let you know that, you know, it's possible for our uh, majority culture brothers and sisters to to become awakened to and become aware of people's experiences outside of their own, their culture and ethnicity. Mm-hmm. And also to, you know, some, to provide, you know, some, I guess, some, what whatever pointers that we, that either of us do have, because like I said, like, I'm glad that. Jordan pointed this out in the beginning, but I also do not consider myself an expert, but I think these conversations are important to have. I've never heard anybody have them, and it's which I think is kind of crazy because you always hear people talking about in church, you know, Jesus came for everybody, no matter whether you're you're white, black, Hispanic, Chinese, whatever, polka dot. <laughs> He's for everybody. Polka dot. And yeah, but then they sit and they and but then we have like such strong support for you know American culture and Americanisms mm. from the church, even though America itself has, especially now, has like so much stuff that just flies in the face of racial reconciliation and just flies in the face of the gospel. Um, mm. And so one thing that that guy did talk about was, so he set out to to make his family the racial and socioeconomic minority, right? And he. It was difficult in ways that he didn't expect. So, like he, they had, mm. uh, they were like meeting with their realtor, and he was like, "Okay, can you, uh, you know, show us some houses, right?" And you know, that was like that's a race neutral question. <laughs> so he shows them houses, and all the houses that he shows them is in predominantly white 
upper class neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. And he said like the guy was a pretty, you know, snazzy looking real estate agent, pretty sure of himself, like very cleanly dressed, very, very confident, just oozed confidence, right? Mm -hmm. And then he said, he asked him specifically, he was like, hey, you've been showing us a lot of neighborhoods with predominantly white people. Can you take us to some predominantly black um, neighborhoods or areas where white people are the minority? And then the guy's demeanor completely changed. He started getting really nervous and shaking. He was like, uh, well, uh, basically he was, he ended up saying it's illegal for him to show, show people, uh, show his clients neighborhoods based specifically on the race, even though like the whole time he had been just showing them white people. Right. Yeah. And he was like, okay, I'll try to take that into consideration. And I think they showed him like maybe a few more houses. One of them was in a neighborhood with like a black family. Yeah. And so they was like, all right, after that day, they, they hired, they, they fired him, hired a, they specifically sought out a, um, a black realtor. I think it was a black woman that they ended up getting mm-hmm. connected with. And they told, they told her their intentions. And she was like, okay. And then immediately took them to, uh, to a place where they were the racial mm-hmm. and socioeconomic minority. And so it was like, you have to be not only like, not only intentional like how you carry out your life but like even like your plans of how you're going to go about mm. um making these connections yeah is you have to you have to really you have to really think about it you have to really want to do it yeah because they had to yeah. go out of their way more than once like it's already huge right. to decide yeah. to make yourself a minority and then it's like okay you're not really helping me let me go find somebody who can <laughs> right you know yeah it's good. Yeah, you gotta be willing to uh, redirect your course. Um, if you're if you're being intentional, you're you're gonna find all these opportunities to have take something off course. Yeah. Uh, a school district or a nicer house or whatever. There's all these things that can uh, just take you away from what you're trying to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And because like, if you're not being intentional, if you're not you know taking calculated steps and you're just going with the flow well the flow of america is racist so you're going to end up being you know either mainstreamed or whitewashed in how you live your life and how you think um things like that Mm. but jordan is there anything else you want to share like any closing comments and encouragement for for the people who are either like me who are just looking for glimmers of hope that there are other people like you or who could be like you um, out here in the church, specifically brothers and sisters in Christ, and also like encouragement that you have for people like you who are who want to seek these connections and want mm. to want to allow the gospel to spread into their concept their conceptualization of themselves as like a racialized person. Yeah. Um, I guess I would just uh, continue to encourage people, um, no matter who you are, where you're from, or what you're doing currently. Like, something's going to change in the future, whether it's where you live or where you work or all these things. I I just want people to think about with intentionality, how they can pursue 
like racial reconciliation. Um, not every heavenly agenda has your name on it. Like you can't do everything. You you cannot adopt an ethically you know someone who doesn't look like you. Like not everyone can do that. Um, not everyone's called to do that. Um, you can't move into some neighborhood where you're the minority. Not everyone can do that. Um, so it's like, how do you discern what you do? Well, that that's between you and the Lord, but it starts with intentionality and actually asking God. And being open to it. Right, and being open and asking, what, what do you want us to do? What does our part of racial reconciliation look like? Um, and there's a gamut of things it could be, just where you live, what church you go to, mm-hmm. what small group you're in, uh, Bible study, like whatever. Um, all of those decisions should, should, that should be a part of what you consider is, is can I make my living room and my dinner table more diverse? Do I move toward that or away from that with this decision? Um, because that's where it starts, man. Like, Having conversations with friends and people you consider family is where you really can gain ground on being woke, um, because that's what changes your heart. Is is and that's what grows empathy. That's what grows compassion. That's what takes out the pride and allows you to admit your privilege as a white person um, in America. So, so I would say like pursuing that with intentionality. Um, and, and being faithful in whatever God's asking you to do in that racial reconciliation piece. Yeah. And before we pray, I'm also going to give some advice. Like when you're in, when you are engaging in this work of creating these connections and having these conversations, like be ready to have some really difficult conversations. Be ready to have some conversations that are going to make you feel uncomfortable. They might even make you feel kind of like, they make you feel like you want to run out of the room, make you feel like you want to, like you like almost even disgusted with yourself. Like, and I remember when I became awakened to my male privilege, I was just like, first off, I was kind of like amazed because I had this really narrow view of what feminism was. And like, to be clear, I there's a ton of stuff with feminism that I do not agree with at all. But in terms of the treatment of of, of the existence of sexism and mm. the oppression of women in, in this country and just in general, I was really blind to. And then when I was aware of it, when I was made aware of it, I was like, oh my gosh. And then when I found out that I had some like sexist opinions and views and stances, I was like, yeah, oh no. And it made me, the first, I was like, no, I'm not, I'm not sexist at all. Like I was, in, <laughs> I was in denial and I had, but I had to sit there and take the conversation and take that, uh, just take that conversation and, you know, deal with, I was like, okay, so I thought I was okay, but now I'm being made aware of all these ways, even the, like, I've never like intentionally gone out to, sought out to, uh, like oppress a woman. I've never been in a position of power where I could like withhold equal pay or just a job entirely from a woman. But like the fact that I was in denial of the existence of those realities and just had a bunch of sexist um, viewpoints, just mm. feel like it, like it made me complicit with the system. So just be ready to have those conversations. It doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good. Mm. But I mean, Jesus endured the cross, the pain and the suffering of the cross because he could see and he was looking forward to what what lay before him so just look 
at what lies before you when you're in those uncomfortable situations. Like it's going to be not only good for you, but it's going to be for the glory of God and for the advancement of, of the kingdom. People aren't going to be able to say that Christians are the most racist people in the world, that the most, the most segregated day is Sunday if we have more conversations like this, if we have more friendships like this, where it's not just a black guy and a white guy in a room together saying hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, but we're, we're acknowledging social realities that have been brought, like, that are the fault of sin, that are the fault of man's brokenness and separation from God. Mm. And then understanding how that manifests in society. That's what, that's what I feel like the huge part of wokeness is. And then, you know, working towards making sure that you are not sympathetic to or or even are not apathetic and you're not sympathetic to um to racist views to to racist systems and then um making sure that you then like what you have like taking care of that that internal that internal environment then that you like, expand that you know first with like your your friends mm. and who you consider to be close to you and then you know of course moving on to how we engage in you know the marketplace and society as mm -hmm. a whole so thank you jordan yeah, so me. much um as we always do we're going to close with prayer because this is huge um i really love how jordan always emphasizes the centrality of the gospel and i always want to emphasize the necessity of God and the necessity of being spirit-led mm. um, in doing this work because we can't will ourselves, we can't think ourselves into doing what God has called us to mm. do. We need his power and glory and thanks to God that he, like when you don't have wisdom, you ask for God and he gives mm. liberally and he's not going to make you feel bad about being, you know, about being ignorant. He's just going to walk you into more knowledge. He's going to walk you into more truth. So we're just going to pray for that right now and of course jordan you are welcome to pray as well lord god thank you for this conversation thank you for bringing my man jordan here to have this conversation with me thank you again for our friendship lord i pray that this episode that our conversation is used by you lord god i pray that you will amplify it i pray that you help make connections in people's minds and people's hearts and people's souls and people's spirits lord god that go far beyond what our actual words were, Lord. I pray that you empower them with your spirit, Lord. Accomplish your will. Bring about racial reconciliation because of this conversation, Lord God. Mm -hmm. I pray that um, people will be convicted because of this um, and that they will. That we will all grow in humility in regards to the suffering and the experiences of others. In the name mm -hmm. of Jesus. And we just thank you, Lord God, that your glory will be revealed because of this, Lord God, that the church will actually become more of what it should be without spot or wrinkle, Lord God. Like I pray, Lord, that there will be, um, that we will take steps to ensuring that there is no divisions in the church, mm -hmm. especially and particularly divisions based off race or ethnicity or uh, country of origin, Lord mm -hmm. God, in the name of Jesus. And pray that your people of God will be encouraged to engage in this work and that throughout it they will be strengthened by the joy of the Lord. In Jesus' name. Mm -hmm. 
Father, thank you so much for this time with my brother Juan. Lord, I, I'm just grateful for him, for his ministry, for the way he just runs hard after you and loves you and, and serves his wife and um, just does all he, all he can and all he does for the glory of you and your name. And, Lord, that's the only reason we are here having this conversation, God, because we want your name to be glorified. Lord, you show no partiality to anybody. Lord, you are, are faithful, you are just, Lord, and you love mercy and you love justice. And um, that's why having these conversations, when we look all around the world and we see the injustice, are worth having. Because we know, God, that you care. We know that you see and we know that you uh, are one day going to make it right. But in the meantime, we can uh, stand in the gap. We can proclaim truth that Jesus is who he says he is and that he has died for us and that we can be saved because of his sacrifice. And Lord, that is the best news the world could ever hear and could ever know and could ever believe. And so we just pray, God, that this time would glorify and lift up your name, Lord, and uh, just help us remember the simple truth that um, when we are weak, then we are strong. God, that you actually use the weak to oppose the proud, that you mm -hmm. often accomplish, if not almost always, accomplish your purposes through the weak, through the oppressed, through the outcast. Lord, just time and time again, you look through scripture and you see almost impossible circumstances is where um, you bring about salvation. Uh, and so, God, I just pray that we would actually believe that and we would stop looking to the White House and stop mm. looking to our political leaders and our uh, government officials for the relief, uh, Lord, while we should pray for them and we should hope that they would govern righteously, Lord. Uh, often what we need to be doing is putting ourselves among and considering ourselves among the weak mm -hmm. and the poor and the outcasts, Lord. And and out of that is where we will see you operate, where we see you work, where we, we will see you perform miracles, where you, we will see you uh, perform racial reconciliation in the lives of people in our community and our neighborhoods. And so I just pray, God, that we would believe that, that we would trust it, and we are thankful for all you are. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Troy. Yep. Thanks, Troy. Thank you once again for listening to yet another episode of the Saved and Woke Podcast. We hope you are blessed. Remember to go ahead and subscribe, give us a five-star rating, and leave a review. And until next time, keep the faith and stay woke.